Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we're in the book of Ezekiel. We're, in, we're going to be studying chapter 19 and 20. And as we start, uh, we're going to ask a question. And the question is, how many people do you think are really concerned about you? Do you think that uh, your, your friends are really concerned about you? Or maybe some of them are. Or how much concern do they really, really have? Well, maybe you have a problem and you bring it to them and they're concerned, but are they concerned over every little detail of your life? Do they, or, do they, or is there just kind of a barrier? You know, people say too much information. You know, like you tell people stuff and they go, oh, I didn't really need to know that. Well, what, are, what about your people at work or school? Do they really, are they really, really concerned about you? Are they, I think most people are concerned to people up until a point of comfort, and then they don't want to get too deep, you know? Are they concerned about every little thing of your life? Not many people would be. How about people in your own family, the people that love you the most, did you think? Are they concerned about every little thing in your life? You know, sometimes you can just stop for a minute and and really realize sometimes that there are not as many people that are concerned about every little detail in your life as you think they are. Now, there may be some people that are concerned about you because they're your friends and they'll always, you know, they're, they're, they're coming to parties with you or they're there for your birthday parties or things. But you drill down. How many people really, really, really are concerned about every little thing? There may be just a small handful. And then you might get to a point where even that person can't worry about every single thing that you're worried about. And then you get down to even finer detail in that it's probably only God or you're probably just alone. At some point in your life, at some level, you know, the concerns of others just kind of fade away and you're just concerned with your own self. And this is an interesting perspective from God's perspective on people that you don't really think about that he would be concerned about. And I think the, this parable of it's for the princes of Israel. These are for the previous kings of Israel that really were not 
good kings. And this parable, it looks like, as McGee was saying, it looks like it's talking about this lion, this lioness, you know, mother lion is a lioness, and she's got these lion cubs that she's raising. And each of these lion cubs is like one of the kings, one of the princes of of Israel that were all bad, bad, bad kings. And even despite that they were bad kings, they grew up and then they, they, um, they got uh, captured. And then, um, then it, so we'll look at that. Um, and we'll start in verse one. And you take up a lamentation for the princes of Israel and say, so this is God talking to Ezekiel and he's saying the lamentation is like a sorrowful story so that you can uh, mourn over. Okay. So this is a story from God's perspective. What was your mother? A lioness. Among the lions she crouched. In the midst of young lions she reared her cubs. And she brought up one of her cubs. And he became a young lion and learned to catch prey and devoured men. The nations heard about him and he was caught in the pit. And they brought him with hooks to the land of Egypt. Now this was King Jehoahaz. He was taken over to the land of Egypt. When she saw... That she, uh, when she saw that, she waited in vain that her hope was lost. So she took, okay, so he never, he was a, he only was in, pa- in power three months. And so that king just sorrowfully got taken away. And nobody ever really mourned over him. And so he was a lost cause. So then uh, it says she took another of her cubs and made him, a young lion. He prowled among the lions, became a young lion, learned to catch prey, devoured men, and seized their widows. He laid waste their cities, and the land was appalled at all who were in it at the sound of his roaring. Okay, so he sounded like a real powerful guy. Then the nations set against him from provinces on every side. They spread out their net over him, and he was taken into their pit. With hooks, they put him in a cage and brought him to the king of Babylon. Okay, so this is Jehoiachin. He's another king. He only lasted three months. Both of these were pretty lousy kings. And Jehoiachin gets taken captive to Babylon. They brought him into custody that his voice should no more be heard on the mountains of Israel. So those are kings of Israel. And God's giving Ezekiel this as a lamentation, as a sorrowful story to tell out to the people, to show the people that, you know, these kings of Israel thought they were doing something great. They, were, they thought they were able to rely on their own power or on their own wisdom. They thought that politics would um, outsmart their problems. They could rely on politics to get the job done rather than relying on God. These guys were politicians. Now, before you had a bunch of kings of Israel that uh, relied on God's word and God's principles. But these fellas were, you know, they were too smart for that because all those other kings were probably too old-fashioned for these guys. 
You know, these guys were modern day thinkers. These guys were, um, these guys had wise counsel and they wanted to take Israel to the next level. And of course, I'm being facetious here, but it just shows that man's thinking can't outwit God's thinking. And so these fellas ended up trying to do their own thing, their own power play politics, and look what happened to them. They only lasted three months. And it goes to show you sometimes that your thinking may be the best you've got, but in the realm of things, you're only going to last a little bit of time here too. Your life will be just a little short time. And how many people will be sorry for you after you're gone? Maybe a few, and then those people kind of fade away. There won't be anybody mourning you after a period of time. You'll just be a, a, distal, a distant memory, and then that's gone. And then even that distant memory, there was no deep lamentation for you. But this is God thinking back on these people. He hadn't forgotten them, and he was lamenting. He was sorry that they wasted their lives and wasted the nation, their opportunity to lead the nation. And then we drop down your mother. Again, it goes back. Your mother was like a vine in a vineyard, planted by the water, fruitful and full of branches by uh, reason and abundant water. Its strong stems became rulers, scepters. Okay, so again, this is another analogy to this mother, uh, Israel, um, um, like a vine. It towered aloft among thick brawls. It was seen in its height with the mass of its branches, but the vine was plucked up in fury, cast down to the ground. The east wind dried up its fruit. They were stripped off and withered. As for its strong stem, fire consumed it. Now this is probably, uh, my study Bible says this is probably, you know, we're, we're not sure what this, this, this vine is relating to, but it could be Zedekiah. Now he's the last uh, reigning sort of king, Davidic king. He's the last of the last. And this fella, he tried some power politics. And his, um, you know, he went back and uh, tried to make new, you know, broke treaties with Babylon and because... Israel had treaties now with Babylon, and he broke that, then tried to you know, um, make a counter-treaty with e Egypt so that they would get more armies from Egypt and sort of make a power play against Babylon. And um, eventually, King Nebuchadnezzar has enough of this, and he goes in, he takes this lousy last King Zedekiah captive, puts out his eyes, and uh, you know, he goes into captivity, and he's done. And um, what a disaster for him. So um, I think this is, you know, all of these were um, uh, representing Davidic kings. 
Now it is planted in wilderness in a dry, thirsty land, and a fire has gone out from the stem of its shoots. Fire has consumed its fruit so that there remains in it no strong stem, no scepter for ruling. This is a lamentation has become a lamentation. So in other words, there's no king. There's no reference to anybody who is now king of of uh, Israel. Israel is now a nation going to be scattered, divided. Babylonians have them now all prisoners. And um, there's just nobody uh, until Jesus. You know, Jesus will be the, you know, the, the returning king of the Jews. So, you know, there, there's a, after that, it's just, you know, the nation's expecting another king that God will send. So these are sort of this lamentation, you know, um, over these kings. So very fascinating. Again, God is concerned with everybody and everything, and even these kings that lost their way, he's lamenting over them. Then uh, chapter 20, in the seventh year, verse 1, in the fifth month, on the tenth day of the month, certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. So Ezekiel's saying a bunch of these elders now, they keep coming back to his house and they sit down before him because they want to ask questions of God. They want to inquire of the Lord. And, and, and God's telling Ezekiel, you know, what are you guys doing? You know, are, do you... As, you know, um, unfaithful as you guys have been leading so many people astray, and now you want to come and ask me questions like what's going to happen to us? You know, tell us the future. So what does God say? Verse 3, Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, Thus says the Lord. Okay, so Ezekiel's saying, these are not my words. These are This is God speaking, answering you. Is it to inquire of me that you come? As I live, declares the Lord God, I will not be inquired of by you. You know, as I live, on, you know, I at my highest promise to you, I will not let you sit down and ask me questions. Okay? Will you judge them, son of man? Will you judge them? You know, he's saying, would you somebody please judge these people? Let them know the abominations of their fathers and say to them, thus says the Lord on the day when I choose Israel, I swore to the offspring of the house of Jacob, making myself known to them in the land of Egypt. I swore to them saying, I am the Lord your God. On that day, I swore to them, I would bring them out of the land of Egypt and I'd search for them. So this it's it's a story, you know, sort of retelling uh, the fact that when they were in the land of Egypt, he would bring them out of Egypt, and he does so, and uh, and he says he's he's uh, he's doing it for his name's sake, uh, that no one would profane would uh, profane his name's sake. Um. And he gave them his statues. He gave them his his this promised land. He was promising uh, them this land of milk and honey. But even before they get there, they break all his statues. They break all his rules. And he says in verse 3, But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statues, but rejected my rules. Okay? So... Um, 
Down in verse 15, he says, I swore to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land that I had given them, a land flowing with milk and honey, most glorious of all lands, because they rejected my rules and did not walk in my statutes. So then he said in verse 17, Nevertheless, my eyes spared them. And I said to their children in the wilderness, Walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So he uh, he doesn't he spares them, but he doesn't give them this great land of milk and honey. He gives them this land that um, is more dry because they're still walking in wilderness. And um, then they rejected him again. And then he withheld his wrath, but he said he would scatter them next. And uh, so it says, Moreover, I swore to them in the wilderness that I would scatter them among the nations and disperse them through the countries, because, uh, but, um, because they had not obeyed my rules and again rejected my statutes. So then he... Um, he says that these statues were, you know, in 25, he says, Moreover, I gave them statues that were not good and rules by which they could not have life. And so what does that sort of mean? He's saying, well, as it turns out, my rules for them weren't good and did not give them life because they couldn't keep the rules. They could not keep his statutes. And so it did not give them life because they rejected it therefore in verse 27 son of man speak to the house of israel and say to them thus says the lord god in this also your fathers blasphemed blasphemed me okay and uh, they defiled themselves um and they went whoring after detestable things as it says in verse 30 so um they were being like the nations, like the tribes of the countries, and worshiping wood and stone. That's down in 32. So verse 33 says, As I live, declares the Lord, surely with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and with wrath poured out, I will be king over you. I will bring you out from peoples and gather you out of the countries where you are scattered with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with wrath poured out. So in other words, he's going to bring all these people back there are going to be people that he's going to regather. And he says, I will enter judgment with you face to face. I will purge out, this is 38, I will purge out the rebels from you and those who transgress against me. And he says down in 39, but my holy name you shall no more profane with your gifts and your idols. Okay, so... Um, and as we see down in chapter in verse 41, and I will manifest my holiness among you in the sight of the nations. And there you will remember your ways and all your deeds in which you defiled yourselves. So they're going to remember God's promises. They're going to remember themselves again and remember walking in his ways. And so this is what he's telling these elders who came wanting to ask him what was going to happen. And he sort of said, look, I'm going to do all these things like I promised. You know, this, this is not new information. 
You know, this is the judgment against you. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set your face toward the southland. Preach against the south and prophesy against the land of the Negev. Say to the forest of Negev, Hear the word of the Lord, says the Lord God. Behold, I will kindle a fire in you, and it shall devour every green tree in you and every dry tree. The blazing fire shall not be quenched. And all the faces from south to north shall be scorched. And all flesh shall see that, that I, the Lord, have kindled it and it shall not be quenched. And then I, this is Ezekiel saying, Ah, Lord God, they are saying of me, is he not a maker of parables? So Ezekiel is calling out like an anguish. Whenever you see that ah, A-H, that's anguish. Because this is, this is a prophesy against this, this forest. Apparently, this Negev forest was a beautiful forest. And, you know, God says he's going to burn it down. And um, maybe this is a, a sign um, to them. And they're saying to me, is he not a maker of parables? I'm not exactly sure what that means. Um, but I think the people are saying, you know, um, you know, can't you just give us a um, can't you just give us a story? Please don't do this, you know. And uh, McGee points out that even this Negev uh, forest valley today is all barren. You know, there's no forest there. And so if this was a forest area, it's still there today that has, um, it is still a barren land today. And so much of Israel, this land of milk and honey, um, is such a barren, dry land today. And so God's, God's um, um, prophecy against this land um, still holds true today. So, um, very unique, um, very unique uh, prophecies uh, here, and very unique uh, um, stories from Ezekiel to the people to try to get them to understand. God was lamenting on the rulers here, and He's telling the the elders here of what's going to happen to the nation. The nation will be judged. But there's always a cry and a call if people would just repent. And McGee points out, even to the very day when you know judgment was going to be carried out by Nebuchadnezzar, um, God was calling for people to repent, just like He does today for us. So from me to all of you, uh, God bless you. Uh, we'll end here and take up uh, our study of Ezekiel on Monday. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Hope you're doing great, Matali. And uh, so can't wait to hear what your take on this is today. God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. We'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Ezekiel chapter 18, beginning at verse 32, all the way to chapter 20 verses 1 to verse 49 so in this 18th chapter the word live occurs 13 times and the word die occurs 14 times so life and death is presented in this chapter so the life that is being talked about is not eternal life and the death that is being talked about is not eternal death he's talking about the way that god judges individuals in this particular life and this chapter should be confined to this kind of thinking like you know 
our life right now? How are we living it? So each individual stands before God separately because God says each soul is mine. So God will judge individually and separately in this particular life. Um, like right now um, as we live and every individual will stand before God during judgment Um, you know you're not going to stand with like your friend or your mother or each individual soul each individual person is going to stand on their own so you can't blame anyone when you stand before God you can't say you know I am like this because my mom didn't treat me well when growing up or she didn't show me enough love or my parents didn't care much for me when when growing up and this is the modern psychology that we have today this is what psychology is psychology is actually teaching it's 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 actually teaching against the principles of what the bible is talking about because psychology says you know children end up being a certain way because of how they're actually treated or how they're actually raised so you know you are responsible for your own actions um, here on earth, whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, you know, whatever you do, you're responsible for your own actions because you do everything according to your own will. So, um, and according to what you feel is like the best, um, thing to do. And especially if you've heard the gospel and, you know, you decide to act a certain way, you decide to rebel against God. Um, you know, you will stand on your own in judgment. Um, God's going to judge you on your own separately. You can't go to God and blame like other people. I never got a chance to actually uh, hear the gospel or no one, like I never got a chance. To, okay, unless you never got a chance to hear the gospel, but I never got a, no one got a, no one ex- actually explained this to me or, you know, I was living my life a certain way because this is how my mama told me like um, I should actually do things. So here at verse 32 And scripture reads, I read, for I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. So here, God makes this clear that God doesn't take any pleasure in seeing anyone die. You know, he didn't intend for death to be um, amongst mankind um, because man came by death and not by God's, you know, sorry, Death came by mankind's own working and not by God's working. And it's uh, because of man's sin. And this death that is being talked about is physical death. So, um, you know, God doesn't take pleasure, even if the person was as wicked as, you know, they come. Um, But God doesn't take pleasure in seeing man die. So in this chapter, we need to actually confine ourselves to this thinking that, you know, it's not about the eternal life or eternal death that's being talked about and God judges people individually so we need to confine ourselves to this kind of thinking and it's um and it's not on the basis of salvation in this particular chapter so now we come to chapter 19 and here in chapter 19 there are two lamentations so from verses 1 to 9 uh the lamentations are over the princes of Israel and from verses 10 to 14 the lamentations are over the land of Israel so they are confined to the southern kingdom and, um, you know, verses one and two, it goes on with, um, with, it opens with the lamentations and, uh, and this is the lamentation of the princes of Israel. So I'll read from verse one and two, and it reads, moreover, take up a lamentation of the princes of Israel and say, what is your mother 
a lioness. She lay down among the lions, among the young lions. She nourishes her cubs. She brought up one of her cubs and she became a young lion and learned to catch prey. And he devoured men. The nations also heard of him. He was trapped in their pit and they brought him with chains to the land of Egypt. So, you know, these lamentations, they go on and, um, and this is not Ezekiel's lamentations, you know, as other scholars may actually put it or other people, Bible uh, readers may actually argue it out. Uh, this is the lie, the Lord's lamentations. So um, to be specific, the same God who actually wept over Jerusalem when Jerusalem was taken siege by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And that's the one weeping over the princes of Judah. So, you know, like if we go back to uh, chapter 18 verse 32 you know god doesn't take pleasure in seeing people die even if people are wicked and have rebelled against him so it's the same god and he is lamenting so you know they were a group of people and princes in israel who were far removed from god and you know not a lot of people were actually concerned about them because this this is kind of like far removed from us like um you know geographically and you know these and 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 even generation wise and and um dispensation wise rather and you know there were not a lot of people concerned about them but god was concerned about these people and god sheds tears for these people um you know you could see this in um the book of jeremiah you know jeremiah was speaking for god he was god's mouthpiece oh he was uh yeah he was the lord's mouthpiece and you know he had a heart of a mother and he wept he was the weeping prophet and that's how god felt about these people when he was telling them to turn to him so you know today who is concerned about you and me today you know very few people are concerned about you and me today what happens to you and me you know like say you know my family they're concerned about me and you know are my workmates concerned about me today and um you know my churchmates uh you know there's very few people concerned about me but god you know i always know that god is always concerned about me because he, uh, and he is a great comfort for us in the world today he's a great comfort for me in the world today because i mean this is like a huge huge world where you can actually just get lost there's so much going on and um but god is always there he's my you know my comfort my great comfort when i go to him because god is full of mercy and he's full of grace and uh, the princes of israel in that day you know they probably didn't have many people who are concerned about them um and um and a lot of people didn't care much about them and they didn't care if they died because you know there was a, a lot of you know like unsavory characters um among these princes they were just wicked and diabolical and all you know an example is Jehoahaz and Jehoachin they were bad kings but God was still concerned about um these people i mean god is always concerned no matter how wicked a person is like if if we get like maybe hitler you know, not a lot of people were concerned. Like, even if Hitler died, people just didn't care. I'm sure people were saying, you know what, he's better off dead. But God was, um, he is a, he's a God of all souls, a God of all people, a God of, you know, this whole entire universe. And he is concerned about each and every soul. So here um, it says, um, you know, your mother was a lion. What is your mother, a lioness? So here um, God is speaking to the lion of Judah. So they were marked out like this. And, um, you know, if we go, you know, like J- they, were, they were actually marked out like this. And Jacob and his prophecy concerning the 12 sons. And we can see this if we go to the book of Genesis, chapter 49, verse 9. And it reads, Judah is 
a lion's whelp. So here, um, your mother was a lioness. Um, God is speaking of the lion of Judah. So they were a lion's whelp. So here it says, Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, whom shall rouse him? So here we can also see in the book of Numbers 23, verse 24. And it reads, look, a people rise Look, a people rises like a lioness and lifts itself up like a lion. It shall not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. And um, Jesus was also called uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah. If we go to the book of Revelations, chapter 5, verse 5, and it reads, But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. So here, um, you know, this is what's being talked about. It's um, God is speaking of the lion of Judah. So now we drop down all the way to verse 10 in Ezekiel. Um, chapter 19 and uh, we come to the second lamentation and this was the lamentation over the land of Israel which was the southern kingdom so here um, you know confined to actually the southern kingdom so here verse 10 reads your mother was like a vine in your bloodline planted by the waters fruitful and full of branches because of many waters and um, verse 11 goes on to read she had strong branches for scepters and of rulers she towered in stature above the thick branches and was seen in her height amid the dense foliage or foliage sorry um verse 12 reads but she was plucked up in fury and was cast down to the ground and the east wind dried her fruit her strong branches were broken and withered the fire consumed her so here you know we have the land of judah and this is a lamentation, you know, um, over the land of Israel and over, you know, over the land of Judah. So these people came into the land and God blessed them. They came into the land from Egypt and God blessed them. They were like a vine planted in the land. And now he's plucked up this vine and they are carried away into captivity because they rebelled against God. That's what this particular uh, second lamentation is on about. So now we move to chapter 20 of Ezekiel and, you know, here we find the final predictions concerning Jerusalem's judgments. And it starts at chapter 20 all the way to chapter 24. So God's message to the people is long and it's actually drawn out to the day Nebuchadnezzar actually besieged the city and he burnt the temple. So God was willing to actually spare them. This is why... Um, you know, his message is long and drawn. He was actually willing to spare them. He would have actually removed Nebuchadnezzar back as, he, you know, he had done to the Assyrians previously um, in Jerusalem when they attacked Jerusalem during um, uh, the reign of um, King, is it Ahaz? Yes, if I'm not mistaken. So, but these people didn't actually turn to God and, you know, judgments came. And God would have actually extended mercy to them because our God is full of mercy. But um, 
if they had actually just turned to him, but they didn't. They didn't turn to him, and God was furious. So the day the siege, the day that the siege of Jerusalem began, the wife of Ezekiel died, and we shall see this in when we get to chapter twenty-four. And Ezekiel was told not to weep for her at all. So Ezekiel is speaking for God, and we shall understand why he was actually told to not weep for her. So he was a mouthpiece of God, and in this particular chap, you know, as opposed to like.、Um, This Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a weeping prophet. He had a heart of a mother, and this is why、uh, Jesus, when he wept for Lazarus,、um, he was likened to the prophet、um, Jeremiah. So in this chapter, this is a retrospect of the nation's sins. So it's going back, showing the nation's sins. You know, from the time they were in the wilderness when they rebelled against God,、um, and you know, all this is just adding up, and until that fury cup is overflowing. So here at verse one,、um, chapter twenty of Ezekiel. Um, it reads: It came to pass in the seventh year, in the ninth month, on the fifth day of the month, that、uh, certain elders of the that certain of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord and sat before me. <clears throat> so here, Ezekiel is speaking for God. You know, he has made it. He has made sure, like he has, you know, retaliated it, you know, over and over again. You know, like and 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 you know, the word of the Lord came to me, saying. Um, he's not speaking for himself, so you know now more and more of the elders were beginning to actually turn to Ezekiel because they are now seeing the situation is actually just getting pretty bad, and they were turn they were going to Ezekiel and they came to get a word from God through Ezekiel. That was before the destruction of Jerusalem. So, verse two goes on to read: Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying. So here, Ezekiel is actually reiterating the fact again that he is not speaking his own words; it's God's words. And、um, Scripture goes on to read: Son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them: Thus says the Lord God: Have you come to inquire of me as I live? Says the Lord God: I will not be inquired of by you. Verse four. Will you judge them,、um, son of man? Will you judge them? Then make known to them the abomination of their fathers. So here,、um, Ezekiel is giving God's word and not his own word. And these people were coming to complain and to criticize God that, you know, God was being unfair to judge them, and to, he was also being unfair to destroy Jerusalem. And Ezekiel is, you know, to go over. Um, this with them because you know God didn't mind、um, you know stating His judge and Ezekiel didn't mind going over、uh, with these people what they had done and why God was actually、um, you know judging them and、um, verse five goes on to read say to them thus says the Lord God on the day when I chose Israel and raised my hand in an oath. To the descendants of the house of Jacob, and made myself known to them in the land of Egypt. I raised my hand in an oath to them, saying, "I am the Lord your God." So here, you know, he goes back to the beginning when he called these people out of the land of Egypt, where they were brought into captivity, and he brought them into the wilderness and delivered them out of slavery in Egypt. So God goes back to this, and、um, and he's telling them. And if we jump to verse thirteen. Um, scripture reads: Yet the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness, and they did not walk in the statutes. They despised my judgments, which, if a man does, he shall live by them. And they greatly defiled my sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my fury on them in the wilderness to consume them. So here, you know, he says, you know, they rebelled against him. So he's taking them back. The retrospect. He's taking them back, and he says they rebelled against him in the wilderness. So in this section, 
he's dealing with the generation that was actually born in the wilderness. So the other generation from Egypt that were in Egypt um, had actually died out. And this group is still rebellious against God. So they were there. They knew God delivered them from Egypt. And now they are in the wilderness where they rebelled against God. And God made an oath with them. But they still rebelled against God. And God made a covenant with them that they should actually, um, you know, be faithful to God. And they made um, idols and they just rebelled against God. So we drop down now all the way to verse 25 under trees. Therefore, I also gave them up to statues that they that were not good and judgment by which they could not live. So verse 26 goes on to read. And I pronounced them unclean because of their ritual gifts in that they caused all their firstborns to pass through the fire that I might make them desolate and that they might know that I am the Lord. So the same thing Paul had actually said to the Corinthians, we are savers of life unto them that are saved and are saver of death unto them that perish. So when God gave them the word and they rejected it, then he gave them over to the law that was for good and condemns them so it becomes bad and they are judged on the basis of it so the same thing it's, it's, it's actually the same thing about the gospel today like this particular statement it's the same thing um, you're better off not actually even just hearing the gospel because you know you cannot stand before God and say I didn't hear it you can't hear the gospel and try and live you know a double standard you know try and sell yourself short to you know um, wicked ways Um you know, if you listen to the gospel and reject it, it would have been better um, if you hadn't actually just heard it. Because now it has become a savor of death. So with light comes responsibility. And these, this is what these people actually had. They had the light. They had the word. Uh, God was in their midst, like in that temple. Um, you know, the glory, the Shekinah glory of God lived amongst them. And, you know, they, they had that responsibility, but, you know, um, but they just didn't take up that responsibility. They rebelled against God. So to us, we can't go before God and say that, you know, we had not heard it. Or we can't blame it on someone else. Like, and say, you know what, I didn't know because I was raised like this. You can't blame your, how you were raised, like how your mother raised you or how your father raised you. You know, you stand before that judgment seat on your own. And this is what this particular scripture, verse 26 and 27 is talking about. And this is what Paul was actually telling the Corinthians. We are savers of life unto them that are saved because they hear the gospel and are savers of death unto them that perish so when god gave them the word and they rejected it then he gave them over to the law because they decided to live by the law and that was for uh you know for for, for the good you know like you know follow these 10 commandments and they did not follow the law and um and uh and you know to them it's it became uh it becomes bad and they are judged on that particular basis so now we uh, drop down to verse 33 and 34 of chapter 20. And verse 33 reads, As I live, says the Lord God, surely with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, and with fury poured out, I will rule over you. Verse 34, I will bring you out from the, I will bring you out from the peoples uh, and gather you out of the countries where you are scattered. Or with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm and with fury poured out. So, you know, here 
you know, at the darkest time of their history, um, you know, a light of prophecy is actually shown, like in Ezekiel. You see, you know, all these, you know, dark, dark spots, like we read all these chapters and verses. And then, you know, there's this bright light and bright hope. So God intends to bring them back into the land. This is what the scripture is talking about. And God's purpose with the nation Israel will be fulfilled and it will be declared right. But those people who declare it and say, you know what, this is not true. Um, so um, God's purpose um, you know, will be declared right. And if we go, we drop down to verse 45 and verse 45 reads, furthermore, the word of the Lord came, um, to me saying, son of man, set your face towards the South, preach against the South and prophesy against the furthest land of the South. That was Israel. So here, um, you know, what happened, uh, sorry, uh, let me, yeah, preach against the furthest land of the south and say to the forest of the south hear the word of the lord thus says the lord god behold i will kindle a fire in you and i shall devour every green tree and every dry tree in you the blazing flame shall not be quenched and all faces from the south to the north shall be scorched by it so here you know they're talking about the forest what happened to that particular forest like uh, in this particular nation so god's judge god judged it and it was the land of milk and honey and you know it's now an arid and dry place it needs actually in dire need of water more water and god's not through with that particular land and those people because he's going to gather them back and he will take them back to the land the remnant who are still faithful to god so here um you know god will be declared right you know, by all those who question God, who question like, um, you know, the purpose of God and all, he is going to be declared right. There is prophecy that's not yet fulfilled and those people have not yet gone back to the land. So, you know, this, um, you know, in Ezekiel, an application can be made to our lives today. How we live our lives today, our actions, how we choose to live our lives. You know, you hear the gospel and yet you actually reject the gospel. You're better off not even having heard the gospel and, you know, worshipping a Paul, a light Paul or a tree or something. Uh, because with light comes a lot of responsibility. So, you know, when you hear the gospel, you walk in the light. You're supposed to stand, make a stand for God and, you know, not try and live a life that's contrary to God's teaching because each individual will be judged individually based on their actions and how they live their lives here on earth. So, yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. It's been a great teaching. It's been a very great week. Thank you all for listening in. God bless and have a pleasant Friday. Bye-bye. Thank you.